0: G'day and welcome to the Car Expert Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, as always, and joining me, as always, is Jay Credentino and Scott Collie. Guys, how are you doing today? Living the dream, Sean. I would hope so. How about you, Jay? I
1: know it's sunny outside in Melbourne. It's meant to rain this afternoon, so I'm excited for now. <laughs> yes, and I'm glad we're
2: inside, enjoying the sun from here. Unrelated to Car Expert finals football starts oh, tonight okay well there you go that's the victorian uh, on, the,
0: on the on the couch coming out here uh i'm not so phased by it I don't know
1: no, about no no not afl
0: no. well we are a car podcast so i think we should move okay, on to cars fine. it's been a really big week in the car world we've had uh v facts have just dropped the iaa mobility uh which is the munich motor show it's better known as has been on in Germany, in Munich, obviously. So we're going to dive into both of those topics and uh, have a bit of a look at what's hot and what's not out of Munich. Uh, We also have a live cross, well not live, but we have a cross to Paul and our boys who have been over in Munich
2: checking things out. So stick around for that. I'm keen to see this because I know that those things are really hard to film yes. at these motor shows because yes. you're filming all of a sudden there's 18 German TV reporters who so want to film in <laughs> front of the same car. I want to know if they got through it uninterrupted. Yes, uh, well, uh, spoiler alert, they didn't. But it, wasn't, <laughs> it was another reporter. It was actually a security guard and you will see that coming
0: up. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, something to look forward to. But let's get straight into it. Vfax uh, have dropped this month. Now, if you don't know what VFX are, it's basically the uh, monthly reporting of all new car deliveries. It's not sales, it's deliveries of new cars. So that's where the numbers come
2: from. So uh, I guess, what are our headlines, Scott, in VFAX this month? So for August, 2023, it was a massive month. New car supply is improving. And uh, on the back of that, we saw a big increase relative to August, 2022. There's about 15,000 more cars were delivered yeah. this month, this year than last year, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that there were 15,000 cars more sold, but more that brands like Toyota with long wait times have a whole lot of orders from the last 12 months that they're finally starting to deliver and they're starting to clear that backlog. Yeah, about time, right?
1: Yeah, I I think it's really exciting looking at these like top line numbers and a lot of new models coming in as well. And I think that number is just going to continuously increase. So I'm very excited.
0: So before we dive into the nitty gritty of it, one uh, interesting stat I wanted to point out was the growth year on year. So this time last year, they'd sold seven hundred and seventeen, or delivered 717,000 cars. And this year they're up to 788,000. So the big question is, Will we crack the magic million new car deliveries in 2023?
1: Jade? I did the math. Yes. yes. If we're on the same trajectory based on averages per month, we should hit just over 1.1 million, which is very exciting.
0: Cristobal Credentino. Yeah, that's, not that's really good. I like that. I mean, that is an, an impressive number. We're considering well, there's about 13 million registered vehicles in Australia.
1: Yeah, and there's, what, 23 million people? Yeah, like so it's, it's crazy. Yeah, Remove all the children that can't buy cars. Well, yeah, but
0: that's what I mean. <laughs> that's, like, a that, that's a lot of cars. That's a lot of cars. Yeah. a lot of Especially we don't manufacture anything here. Everything's coming in through ports. That is... Really impressive, but let's dive into some of the numbers. Now Jade, I know you've got a little list prepared there um, and you want to talk about something in particular. So I'll let you take to the stage to start with.
1: Um, Well, look, I think you've got obviously two ways to look at it. You can look at the top 20 brands and the top 20 models, both of which Toyota seem to be quite comfortably in both. Not a huge surprise. That is
2: the normal situation in Australia. From what's really
1: interesting here, uh, Toyota since May has had a massive increase in their deliveries, which we did expect after, you know, clearing all that backlog, but as of August, I'm going to count here from my notes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven categories in this month's BFAX go straight to Toyota. So it means that they're coming back. RAV4, which had extensive long delays, I remember about 18 months ago, they were looking at two, even sometimes two and a half to three year delays on them. That's now dominating its segment. Um, so it's really exciting to see Toyota come back and those customers who really were waiting a really long time to finally get their cars
2: and the good news on the back of that is not just if you're waiting for a car but if you're trying to buy a new car all of a sudden the power is starting to shift again for a really long time we saw dealers charging big markups but I actually spoke to a dealer this morning who said he's come back from leave to having 70 cars in stock Wow! and that means there are deals to be had because these dealers don't want cars sitting around rather than paying you off against another buyer and making you pay more they're going to give you a deal they're going to throw in servicing something like that to get the car off their lot
0: yeah so i think the the big penalty shootout this month went between the hilux and the ranger yeah. unsurprisingly but there was a uh, two cars difference uh, <laughs> which is which, which is, is crazy. amazing it's yeah. like yeah had they had ford squeezed three more cars on the boat that would have Uh, Change the game for them this month. So very impressive. And I think uh, year on year we've seen a big increase in Ranger sales. Now we've got to remember this time last year, the old Ranger was on the way out, the new Ranger was on the way in. So it's not a great uh, statistic to look at year on year. But to see uh, see them bring it to Hilux, uh, especially considering how much uh, Hilux demand there's been over the last few years is, is really impressive.
2: The other key stat when you're looking at Ranger and Hilux sales is the type of sales they are. And this data, which is put together by the peak body for car makers, splits out four by two and four by four sales. And the Ranger dominates the four by four sales, which are the wild tracks, the XLTs, the expensive ones where Ford really makes money. Toyota still sells plenty of those, but its lead over Ford is in the 4x2s, which are the ones that go to... That's all the, the fleet. The workmate, uh, yeah. things like that. Mining so, fleets, yeah. that sort
0: of it's thing. It's about 30% of the Hilux sales were 4x2s, right? So that's, yeah. you're talking workmate, single cab, yeah. Um, the the cheaper the cars, cars with
2: lower margins on them yeah. that go to big fleets that don't necessarily want all the bells and whistles, they just need a car that will work nonstop for them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The other yeah, surprising one that, I sort of crept up here is Izuzu, isn't it, Jade?
1: Uh, I always have a little soft spot for Izuzu in the Vfax charts. I think they only have two models, and still both models are always in the top twenty. Um, not always, but most of the time in the top twenty. Um, so it's really nice to see the D-Max is you know in top five and the MUX um, sitting at seventeen, but it's just behind the Everest. So I think that that's going to be my new favorite thing to look out for every month. Is it Everest or MUX that's going to
0: CX nine? Yeah. We... yeah. <laughs> <got them> <laughs> 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 yeah right okay so it's yeah a big month for VFAX. it's a big month for sales yeah. and I think we're gonna just keep seeing this growth you know like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago Ford have rented a boat to bring in Rangers and Everest, um, there's a whole bunch of new cars coming towards the end of this year especially in the EV segment so I think we're gonna keep
2: seeing this grow. Can I throw a couple of anomalies at you Absolutely. just quickly yeah, before, yeah, totally. we, before we move on there are two things that caught my eye that I'm really interested for your thoughts on. The first is Lexus For the first time ever in Australia it's sold more than 10,000 cars in a year and it's only the end of August on the sales charts. So do Audi and BMW have anything to be worried about? Well Lexus
0: have been hampered by uh, stock issues as well. same as Toyota, obviously. So I think
2: that's really impressive for them to do that. Yeah, so NX is a big seller for them. Yes, yeah, so
1: that's what I was going to say. Yeah, NX seems to be dominating their, uh, I guess, their golden child. Um, and they've got lots of them.
2: Yeah, so the basic petrol yeah. NX250, we know dealers that work with Car Expert have these cars in stock and ready to deliver, yeah,
1: which is, which a is pretty cost. unusual.
2: Yeah. Um, we also know the hybrid wait times are coming down, but certain dealers if you walk in today you can actually walk out with a brand new nx250 and that's not something you could say for a long time the other one is we talk a lot about electric cars on this podcast the nissan patrol which is 11 years old and is powered only by a v8 and has a screen in the middle that is like a nokia (laughs) phone has just had its biggest ever month it was only narrowly outsold by the toyota land cruiser why are people still buying this car
1: is it because it's as a V8? Uh, I'm the V8's go, a yeah. big thing,
2: yeah. But as we saw in our off-road mega-test uh,
0: and our towing mega-test, it just nails yeah. that touring brief. And I think there is, I, I think there's still a huge demand for people touring because if you look at, a mm-hmm. little off-topic from VFAX, but caravan sales are still through the roof in Australia. So there is a lot of demand for a vehicle that can do all that and have the space for the kids and be comfortable. So I'd be
1: interested uh, to see in the next few months, will it eventually take over the Land Cruiser? I think the Land Cruiser... I'm not going to say it's overpriced, but it is more expensive. I'm very careful with what I say. Um, but the Patrol is cheaper, and I know that last year the Patrol had supply issues, and that's obviously been cleared up. And now with Patrol Warrior coming through, is that going to increase even more? I think Toyota might need to, you know, have a look around at their competitors and seriously consider, you know, Patrol taking the lead.
2: I think what Toyota does have up its sleeve is that Land Cruiser name is so strong. And I know the Patrol's been held back by wait times. There was a period there where if you wanted a 300-series Land Cruiser, you could either wait for 12, 18 months, something like that, yeah. or pay more than $200,000 for a dealer demo. So Nissan's not the only one dealing with those stock problems. And I think for now the Land Cruiser's pretty safe.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. And the fact that Nissan only have basically two versions of the Patrol, like a, a base one and a fancy one, Which are not really that different. No, not really. And Toyota has such a variety, such a fan base. Mm. Um, Patrol is not selling to every farmer in
2: in the bush. (laughs) And the Land Cruiser is. But can someone in the comments, I'm going to down the barrel, hey, hey, it's Saturday style here. Can someone in the comments do the maths on how much petrol you can buy with the $40,000 difference between a top spec Patrol? and a top-spec Land Cruiser, please. I've always wondered this. Yes, write to us, podcastofcarexpert.com.au. If you're a
0: math whiz and could figure that one out, we'd love to know that. Or Uh, not a
2: math whiz, just have a calculator. Yeah, well, yes. I don't know how
0: one of those works. I don't know about you guys. Uh, We might ask Siri later. I studied journalism for a reason, it's not numbers. (laughs) Well, well, there you go. I think that wraps up VFX for this month. A lot of great stuff happening. We will put a link in the description of the show uh, where you can read the CarExpert article with all the details, all the breakdown. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there. Uh, And if you have a new car on order, uh, you're waiting for to be delivered, uh, leave a comment. Let us know. Uh, but we will move on to the IAA Mobility or the Munich Motor
2: Show, depending on how you want to look at it. Which used to be the Frankfurt Motor Show. Yes. But has been moved from Frankfurt to Munich for reasons I don't quite understand. Logistics? Uh Munich Motor Show is alliterative, it's yeah, catchy, yeah, I, maybe. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, it's it's good, it's sort
0: of one of the first big motor shows I've actually seen back on the calendar since COVID. There was, uh, actually I recall uh, right at the start of COVID, a lot of journos were about to head off to motor shows and it just Yeah, it was just stopped.
2: before the Geneva Show, yeah. I think, which is the biggest in the world yeah. and is going to be in Qatar. Yes, in Qatar, Yes, so that's that what to I me.
1: wanted to mention. Yeah, yes. how? I don't know, anyway.
2: Uh, you know, it's Switzerland, so. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like having the 2020 Olympics <laughs> in 2021. Yes. And, yeah, that's true.
1: Uh,
0: but to give us a rundown on what's actually been happening, Paul and Albo are on the ground. We're going to cross to them live, and they're going to let us know, fellas, what's going on in Munich?
3: Thank you, Sean. Mate, we're at the Munich Motor Show. It's been a while for motor shows. I like know. 2019 for uh, Germany. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. We used to go to motor shows like every year around the world, and they've all just died down. But I feel like they're starting to get a bit of a resurgence now. Um, definitely not Frankfurt though, I've got to tell you, it's a little bit different. It's a bit smaller and it's all spread out. Well, what we thought we'd do, uh, I'm being hosted by Volkswagen at the moment, you're with BMW. I thought we'd quickly run through the new stuff that we have uh, with the brands that we're with. The guys back in Melbourne will then run you through all the other stuff that's gone on at the show. Um, For Volkswagen, I was pretty surprised to see uh, GTIs is going electric so is it, no, hang on i gotta ask this is it only electric or is it going to be offered in like well offered in electric so id gti is basically going to be front-wheel drive electric sporty and why is it front-wheel drive if it's electric well i think they want to preserve gti right and they've got gtx stuff which is all-wheel drive and sporty right. and stuff so I, I think to me they just want to keep that branding okay. and it seems like they want to capitalize on that branding to make it work The thing I'm a little concerned about, they're saying it's coming in 2027. 2027? Yeah. And they said it was 90% complete. It's like... How have you not got it ready to go? So, uh, but they're saying that uh, hey, they Hey, good want... for us internal combustion fans. <laughs> well, yes. Um, and they're saying as well, 25,000 euros is what they're targeting for the ID All and the GTI. And I think that should mean affordability. By that point, battery tech will have improved. It should all become sort of cheaper by that yeah, point right. as well. Well, so. well, that should be really interesting. Yeah, and it looks cool. It's nice and sporty. It's got flared wheel arches. It's all sort of happening. Uh, in terms of other stuff with uh, the Volkswagen Group, Q6 e-tron, they've previewed the new interior. So I love that. So they've gone away from from that Audi style of haptic feedback screens that are quite low, got that curved display, nice. really looks quite impressive. Uh, Cupra, they have a concept car that looks absolutely unreal as well. Is <laughs> it electric? Everything is electric. Yes, exactly, yes. these days. So um, tell me about BMW, what's, what's Look, going Look,
4: BMW on? has a massive unveiling at the show, BMW and Mini. Mini obviously with the new Cooper Electric, new Countryman Electric. Yep. Um, they're actually being built out of China by GWM, so that's yep. kind of interesting. Um, GWM? GWM, yes. Right but BMW itself has the new newer class uh, vision concept, yep. uh, which previews a new design language. Yep. So it's a complete departure. The grill is smaller, there's wow. a small grill. The Although, uh, sick. based on the poll I ran on Instagram, people still didn't like it. And I was like, what more do they need to do? The grill was big, the grill is small. <laughs> Someone's gotta Her like grill. this. It actually looks really good, I really like it. Um, it's going to basically underpin all the new design languages okay. from BMW, and it looks great. However, they showed a sedan, like a three series, yeah. But the first new class of design will actually be an SUV. And it'll come in 2025,
3: uh, built out of Hungary, and we should get it sort of around that time. So it looks really nice. So, I mean, they're all focusing on electric cars. We're seeing that Volkswagen is partnering with Chinese companies to do what they need to do. They're, they're actually setting up their own uh, Chinese, I guess, philosophy. So yeah. everything will just happen in China, and it will just stay in China. And I think strategically, it means that they can... Go into a price war in China and not devalue their brand globally, because if you sell you know, a Q6 E-tron in Europe and then one in China for you know two thirds of the price, I, I know.
4: But with Mini, all the electric ones coming out of China, yep. even for Europe. Oh really? Yeah. So it's a little different. That's interesting. It is interesting, and and you know, like I mean, the iX3 comes out of China, yep. so it's not new. Yep. Um, but I do wonder as we go forward. I guess we have to get used to it. Polestar is Chinese, yep. Tesla's Chinese, like they're all built yep. in China,
3: and they're pretty good. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh look, to me, I mean, we drive a Tesla made in China, there's no no difference But you drive a Tesla. My wife drives a Tesla, I drive a Raptor, sometimes when the diff works. Um, And then the other one as well, I thought I'd touch on, Volkswagen announced they were investing something like $180 billion over the next three to five years on this plan that they have for uh, transitioning towards electric. That's a lot of money. I suspect they're taking a lot of the money from the IPO of Porsche to, to make it happen. But they are throwing so much money at this well, but they need to though, though, right? I, I feel like, as a brand, uh, they're
4: not as up to date with the EV yep. stuff as some of the others. And I like that because yep. I'm not an EV guy. But I feel like that's obviously put them in a little bit of a, um, I guess, uncompetitive uh, disadvantage to some of their competitors. Yep. So, I don't know, I, I was really surprised to see that Golf GTR electric yep. and it being front wheel drive. It's kind of like calling the uh, Taycan turbo. It doesn't have yes. a turbo.
3: So that just <laughs> that's because true. it was front wheel drive doesn't yeah. mean it needs to continue yeah. to be front wheel drive. But yeah. I guess some people love that too. Yeah, look, um, and look, we had actually planned to do like a proper sit down podcast here, but we've been so constrained on time that we've just got this very short wrap. So uh, that is all we've got time for. We're already being hurried up here. They're packing up the stand around us. Um, I think this is cool. I'm I'm hoping that motor shows are back because I love the buzz, the excitement of seeing these new vehicles. And and look, if this is the new format where they've got satellite sites outside of the main hall like this, whatever, um, Geneva Motor Show is actually going to be in Qatar. It's which still is, called the Geneva Motor Show. I know, Show. which is kind of weird, but anyway. Um, so let us know what you reckon in the comments section below. What do you think about some of the new products that are rolling out here? What do you think about GTI? What do you think about the new class? or What do you think about all the other stuff that's going on at the Munich Motor Show? Back to you, Sean.
0: Thanks guys, I hope you're having fun over there in Munich. I know Paul is about to head off from the IAA Mobility to drive a couple of interesting Volkswagen products. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel to see that because we'll have videos dropping over the next couple of weeks for that. Uh, but let's, uh, let's play a little game guys. I wanted to play Hot or Not, with some of the reveals of the car. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, not that one. Different thing. Uh, A little game of Hot or Not with some of the reveals from the IA Mobility uh, in Munich. Feel like I'm
1: back in high school.
0: (laughs) So this is like the original version of the Facebook, so. (laughs)
2: Which one of us is Zuckerberg?
0: Yeah, you definitely. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to run through a list of some of the cool reveals and I want to know from you guys whether it's hot or not. And if not, why? So, okay yes so we'll start off with the volkswagen id gti scott hot love jade it.
1: i think what they're trying to do is great mm. i think they're trying to fill that they can see a gap when they go to inter- like to ev only and have that um gti badge kind of lost so i understand what they're trying to do there do i love it
2: not we're not yet. really love it It's hot or not
1: no i don't yeah, know not? I I'm, I'm going
2: to fight you on this one. Yeah. The GTI badge is a bit lost at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's so my
1: point. Yeah. R
2: has kind of taken over as the hero for Volkswagen. They've got yeah. GTX, etc. Yeah. The idea of an affordable front-wheel drive hot hatch that is also electric mm. is kind of a throwback to what GTI used to be. Yeah. I think it's Volkswagen giving it the, the respect it deserves, and I'm excited to see what they do with it.
0: I do want to bring up something. has um, just mentioned that it is only front-wheel drive, uh, which we're seeing in a few things. BMW, the iX1 is going to be front-wheel drive only from a vehicle handling step would you guys think that that's the best option for electric or should they be focusing rear wheel drive front wheel
2: steering given the choice i would prefer to drive a rear wheel drive car but i think in the case of the id gti front wheel drive can also be a selling point you look at the honda civic type r for example and the fact it drives really well is enhanced by the fact it's a front drive car With electric cars, there is an opportunity for Volkswagen to make it handle like a really special front wheel drive, sort of focused hot hatch. Mm. And I think they can make it a feature rather than a drawback. Can I also say what's not hot is the people playing table tennis outside our office right
0: now. I do apologize if you can hear that, there is a ping pong game going on outside our (laughs) office. So uh, apologies for that one. It's a not from me. But okay, but okay. Thanks Scott, I appreciate that. I guess the the thing is, torque steer has always been a problem in hot hatches. But that potentially could be overcome with EVs because they can direct drive individual wheels. So I I guess we'll have to just wait and see what happens with that one. Uh, Okay, next one. Uh, I know this is hot, but let's see what you guys think. The Cupra Dark Rebel. What do you think?
1: I am here for it. Okay, that's a hot Um, from Jade, Scott. Yep.
2: I'm actually a, I'm a, can I give it like a tepid? Oh, come on, it looks like a Batmobile. That's it looks awesome. like a Batmobile, but I don't understand why we're bothering with a 100,000 euro Cupra. I think their whole thing at the moment is affordable sports cars. They make a $3 million Beetle. Like, it's the
0: Bugatti Chirons, at however much now? No,
2: I, I, I know they do, but if, if you're a Cupra, I love the idea of a Cupra sports car, but in my head it was always an affordable kind of... People's sports car, and we know that this might have Porsche Cayman bits underneath it, the next gen car. It might cost less than a hundred thousand euro. Awesome! Give me a fun little lightweight electric sports car that's the same price as a Leon or a Born, and I'm here for it.
1: I don't think it's going to be some a car that someone will drive every day. So I think having that be a little bit more expensive, I think people will still consider it. I think the thing that I quite like was a throwback to when I was (laughs) twelve. It has the Cooper Meta-Hype, which is like their meta universe. And it's just like playing the simps. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this. I'm here for it. Nobody else has done this before. It's giving me ultimate throwback vibes to 2000 and Three, four. <laughs> Big throwback Yeah. For our older so listeners, we
0: apologise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'm probably going to botch the pronunciation of yeah, this. Yeah, give us your best German uh, accent. The, <laughs> the BMW
2: New Class. So, what do we think, Scott? Hot. I like it. Hot. Jade? Hot. Okay. So this is a really important car for BMW. Yeah. Uh, the New Class. New Class. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm going to regret that. All right, class, uh, yes. The new class name is a nod to the cars that essentially saved BMW in the 1960s. So this is not something they bandy about lightly. And it's their next generation of electric cars that are going to have really fast charging, longer ranges, competitive performance, and, thank God, cleaner designs than current BMWs. I'm very here for it. All right, this, uh, this is one that's probably going to raise some eyebrows.
0: Uh, in the in the viewers, but the BYD Seal U Jade.
1: <laughs> it's uh, my favourite kitchen a, cleaning product. <laughs> I, uh, I put a big tick next to oh, it. Okay, um, interesting. I like it. I think it's something that a lot of people. It's not too out of the box. It's not something that people like will be polarised by. I think it's very sleek, nice, modern design. And um, based on the article that we wrote, it's going to be about the size of a, sand, a Hyundai Santa Fe, so it's quite big.
2: And could come to Australia based on.
1: And might come to Australia. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to see, especially adding more BYD products, um, to see what it's going to look like. It's so a hot from me, Scott.
2: Scott. It's fine. It's an electric SUV. It it
1: is a bit meh. Yeah, Yeah. I like what BYD is doing
2: with a lot of their cars. I think the Atto three is one of the best electric cars in Australia at the moment. Mm. I'm sure this will be a really competent, really comfortable, well priced electric SUV. But it doesn't get me all hot under the collar. Mm. Does it have the rotating screen? Or Uh, I've only
1: seen pictures, uh, which I'm sure we'll put up on the video. Is that Um, why you were
2: tilting your computer (laughs) before? Yeah, yeah. I just turned my laptop to (laughs) the side.
1: Uh, Yep. I don't know. We'll come back to you.
2: All right. Well,
0: uh, we'll... We'll go from building your dreams to life's good with the LG
2: Omnipod. House.
0: I don't even Scott know what to
1: think of this. Scott.
2: Yeah, so this is, um, this is not the only electronics company that's trying to get into the car game at the moment. We know Sony has some concept Sony's cars. Sony's been
1: trying for a it's long time. It's been trying time. for a long time.
2: <laughs> Foxconn, which builds the iPhone and the Xbox. Uh, did Apple
1: have a concept car, electric concept car, ages ago? It's been
2: on again, off again. It's the brangelina of the car world. Uh, that Apple car. This Omnipod, um, it's another one I'm indifferent towards. It's essentially an opportunity for LG to put lots of its screens in an autonomous car pod and to control that whole experience. There's a lot of money in it. I am not remotely interested. Jade?
1: No. No. Uh, I think the concept is cool, but it should stay as a concept. (laughs) It should not go into production. I don't think it'll do well in Australia, maybe in Asia. Yeah. There's a market for it, but it's, it's very a bit cool. Too
0: much. It is a very cool idea. I think that the best place for it is shuttling you between Sydney Domestic and Sydney
2: International Airport. <laughs> yes, that's that exactly is it. That is
0: where it belongs. And if you yeah. like you've flown to America, uh, Yeah, a gosh, lot of those no airports
2: airport. have transfers Exactly. Between, the
1: yeah. Dubai one is incredible. Exactly. Like
2: and I
0: think that's a great place for it. They can market, they can put advertising all over it, and it's clean for the
2: environment. I'm going to be that jet-lagged by the time I land. I'm not seeing any of that advertising, but that's besides the point. the o- OLED is lost on you. <laughs>
0: yes. right. All right, let's move on to one that's probably a little more familiar to most people, the Mercedes-Benz Concept CLA. Jade, I'll go straight to you on this one.
1: Ooh, interesting. Uh, I quite liked the design. I know a few people in the Car Expert team didn't vibe it.
2: Looks like a computer um,
1: mouse. Yeah, I'm going to be hot. I'm yeah?
2: going hot. Scott? Not. Uh, The design, I have no interest in. A lot of what Mercedes is doing at the moment, that sort of smooth... Very featureless yeah, thing i'm not a huge fan of it's very vision eqs isn't it exactly yeah. but i do like to look at the interior and i love the idea of really long range more than 500 kilometers yeah there's uh,
1: 750 yeah. anticipated right. in inverted commas 750 kilometers and test the model
2: 3 pricing so that is hot the design is not yes the, i'm not a fan of the headlights <laughs> and
0: lights on it but the rest of it's kind of cool all right we'll move on this one uh, I don't know how to feel about this one, but let's let's see what you guys think. The Polestar Synergy. The name is terrible. But you know Scott- why
2: it's called the Synergy, though. Because it was designed half by the Polestar design team and then half by submissions from the public. I was going to say government lobby, but oh. No, close. not quite. So it's the Polestar McPolestar Polestar face. Yes. <laughs> um, I think this is hot. Yeah? Jade?
1: I'm going hot. I would love to see Scott get in this. It's uh, <laughs> 1.07 metres tall. Uh, That's so, not yeah. happening,
2: I don't think. Unless it's a race car with feet above bum sort of situation, I'm going to struggle. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Keen for that. Last one to cap it all off. Uh, the
0: Renault Scenic E-Tech, which is an absolute mouthful, but Jade, what do you think? Hold on. I
1: read an article before it got released and um, in camouflage, it looked pretty cool. Um, it's expected to have um, up to 620 kilometres of range with the um, bigger battery pack. Um, so I think it'll be really cool, especially as a consumer product. If it does come to Australia, I'm keen to see Renault you know, take on the electric vehicle market here.
2: I'm I'm with Jade, hot. I really like the way it looks and we've got the Megane E-Tech electric. I don't know why they say E-Tech and electric in the name but that's coming to Australia from about 60 grand. If they can price this just above it when it does come to Australia, it's gonna be a really interesting option.
0: All right, so I'd like to know if you guys are watching, uh, what do you think is hot from this list? But also, do you remember going to motor shows in Australia? Leave us a comment. Let us know. I remember the last one I went to in Australia was the 2008 Sydney Motor Show uh, where they debuted I the Amarok. There. You were there? You would have been like this tall I at that point. I was very small. But, Smaller uh, than I am now. Holden and Ford with the dominant stands, yep. yes. uh, Falcons and Commodores. But they, yeah, they debuted the Amarok and I remember thinking that is gonna be a game changer and, and it was, it yeah. was
2: really cool. You had good foresight on that. I actually took a whole lot of friends to the one of the last Melbourne Motor Shows, what, 2006, 2007 for my 10th or 11th they were birthday. Ages. Yeah, okay, wow. Yeah. Better than it a Macca's birthday party. It was better a Macca's birthday party, <laughs> definitely.
0: But uh, yeah, I think bucket list, if you're looking at a motor show, bucket list, it's not traditional motor show, but SEMA, absolutely have to do, I don't know about you, Scott, you got a bucket list motor show?
2: I Well, I, I'm going to actually go, not a motor show, I'm going Goodwood, it's on Goodwood? my bucket list oh, too. It's kind of a motor show. Yeah, yeah, a the motor Festival of Speed is, is something I desperately want to do. Mm. Jade, you got
1: one? I'm going to go Goodwood, but I did uh, make a pledge to Scully a couple of weeks ago that by the time I turn 30, I'm going to go to every single motor show around the world. So. there's not many,
0: so it should be easy. Yeah, it should be fine, <laughs> but uh,
1: yep, that's my pledge, public.
0: Yeah. Well, if anything's caught your eye at Munich or there's anything currently on sale in Australia that has caught your eye, head to Help Me Car Expert on Google and what we'll do is we'll help you get a really good deal on a brand new car. Uh, you head to Help Me Car Expert on Google. It'll open up a page where you see lots of pictures of Paul and he'll be able to uh, help you find the right price, uh, help you connect to a dealer and make sure that you get in your brand new car sooner rather than later. Scott, are you impressed with the way I say new, by the way? I'd just like to point that out. (laughs) I I think you've taken some inspiration from BMW new class. (laughs) I I have, yes. So uh, yeah, if you are looking to buy a new car, head to Google, type in Help Me Car Expert. And if you do buy a new car through there, leave us a comment and let us know what you bought. Let us know what the experiences were like, because we're very curious to hear your thoughts on it. All right, well, we'll move on to our last topic of the day. Uh, it's actually one that Jade has a bit of experience in. This is kind of fun. Uh, Izuzu run what's called the iVenture Club, and basically it's an opportunity for Izuzu owners to go out Bush bashing, off-roading and understand how four-wheel drives work but Jade you've actually done two of them now, is that correct? Yeah that's um,
1: that's right, I did kind of mention it very briefly in last week's episode when we were looking at the MUX versus CX9. Um, So I've got some current stats, so they originally, they first launched in 2015, so it's been going on for quite a while. Um, There's been 5,800 Isuzu owners that have participated, so quite a lot Um, and since 2015, there's been 280 events all over Australia. Now, they've just introduced a towing training, again, based on last episode. Excellent. Uh, More which, towing
0: training, the better. Yes. <laughs> they uh, did that because of our last episode. They've 65. been listening exactly. to Sean. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Azuzu. Uh, well, i so, Zuzu. much <laughs> appreciate it.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, I've done two. I'm looking forward to doing uh, another two later in the year. One will be a towing one and the other will be uh, on sand. Um, so I'm very keen to get behind the wheel. I think it's probably the greatest thing a manufacturer can do for a consumer. Um, uh, There was a a stat floating around that 90% of Isuzu buyers or four-wheel drive buyers never actually take their cars off-road. So I think giving people the confidence in a controlled environment to do so is really important. And I think a lot of people, it would encourage them to then go to the great outdoors.
2: These are really cool events because I think what holds a lot of people back with their cars, whether they're sports cars or off-roaders, is confidence. Exactly. You know, they, these cars have such incredible capabilities, everything from a BMW M car, which has really clever traction control on a racetrack you can play with, through to the Isuzu stuff that will take you a long way off-road, just like all their rivals will. Um, once you know what these systems can do and understand how to use them and have some support to learn in a controlled environment it's amazing how far these cars will take you and what you can do with them that maybe you didn't think you could. I've also done one of these iVentures. Yes, and that's
1: right. Yeah, 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 I
2: found it really, really informative and it's made me a more confident off-roader no matter what I get in mm. because there's some really basic stuff about tyre pressures, when to use low range, diff locks, that sort of thing, yeah. that if you weren't sure you might never touch the buttons. Yeah, mm, I think the thing that's a lot of people, if they
0: Google how to go four-wheel driving, they're gonna get met with a lot of negative things. Yes, a lot of like, don't like, do this, don't exactly do that. Right. Yeah. But the thing is four wheel driving is a fantastic way to see the country. This yeah. mate like Victorian High Country is phenomenal. Uh you know, a lot of the sand islands in Queensland, you don't have to go out and do the telegraph track on your first yeah. outing, but I think that's I think that yeah. manufacturers doing things like this is key to engagement with the customers. And it's also key to uh, encouraging people to do safer driving because there are many, many examples on the internet of people getting stuck or in a very bad situation. Some of them, in some like them funny, Island. some of them dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, one of the best trips I ever did was four-wheel driving for a week on Fraser Island and it yes. is it is absolutely I did phenomenal. that
1: too, um, not with iVenture, but that was my, like, first experience four-wheel driving. We had a Land Cruiser Troopies um, and we did that for a whole week and it was the introduction to four-wheel driving that I needed. Um, I couldn't drive because they were all manuals, RIP. We'll get to um, that next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think if I that that's my ultimate goal is to travel around Australia on a four-wheel drive eventually and having the training that I've had from Izuzu just gives me all that more confidence to go out and actually make it happen.
2: So if you do have an Izuzu, obviously there's iVenture Club, yep. but it's amazing how many brands do offer something like this. I know if you've got something expensive in German, they'll let you take your car or someone else's car to the track. Yeah, Audi, Audi and and Merck BMW, Merck all do it. Yep. Um, interesting also is Hyundai does a really good job with this with its N festival. Yeah, yeah. If you've got an i20 or an i30 or a Kona N, you can go to these N festivals and drive your car on track with other what they call enthusiasts. I would they come up with that yeah, one. clever, hey. <laughs> Um, and get to experience your car, but also just meet other people who have invested their own money in a product and kind of feel their passion too. And there's so many cars out there and people out there that aren't interested in that and that's fine, but if you do care, it's so cool just to be surrounded by people who want to learn with you and sort of feel the same passion you do. Shout out to Hyundai as well, because if you do that, uh, you maintain your
0: warranty on the car because they actually yeah. have a track day warranty. So, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a really good initiative from them. Just um, to be clear though, that warranty doesn't cover loss of talent. No, no, Barry R, maybe uh, yeah. uh, Barry R is not the way <laughs> to maintain that warranty. Uh, what I'd like to know from you guys is what, uh, not what manufacturer, but, but what would you like to see that's available to just the general public, Joe public, uh, and um, easily accessible to them? What would, what would you like
2: to see training offered, Jade?
1: That is such a good question. Uh, Scott, (laughs) you go first, actually. I would actually really
2: like to see more skid pan days. Um, Sydney Motorsports Park and Driving Solutions up in New South Wales do an awesome job of this. In Victoria, it's less prominent, but you can essentially rock up in whatever you've got and try to get your car, car sideways on a wet skid pan, learn about car control and kind of, get it out of your system is probably the best way to put it. If but you also
0: learn a lot of dynamic handling of like what to do. So I know they do emergency brake and steer yeah. in the wet, which is uh, something that a lot of people have to do in real life, but don't yeah. really know the, what yeah. a car's going to do when yeah, they
2: do yeah. it. So it sort of ticks both boxes on the training front and just that if you like cars and you have a BRZ, go and do stupid stuff on the skid pan, don't do it on the public road. It, it makes it so much easier and gives people somewhere to enjoy this stuff in a safe environment. Yeah, I
1: think, yeah, I totally agree. I think iZuzu has got like the four wheel drive stuff kind of handled over there. So I don't really want to repeat it again, but uh, recently I have uh, wanted to learn how to drift. So <laughs> I am going to go with Scully on this one um, after seeing the i30N, um, I'm not going to release too many details. Ionic uh,
2: 5N, sorry, not the i30N.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, that was a momentary lapse of, uh... anyway. Um, yeah, so the Ionic 5N drift, that's gonna be my new bucket list thing to do is learn how to drift, so I'm with Scully. All
0: right, well, hopefully, uh, if you're watching uh, Mr Albanese, we'd love to see some lovely <laughs> funding behind this. Um, 100% of Australian surveyed. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do have a quick question that's come in from YouTube. I'm hoping you guys are able to help me out with this a uh, little bit. Twin Roaders on YouTube wanted to know, how long do you keep your personal cars for? As I get older, I'm holding onto my cars for longer. Previously three to four years, but now over seven. So has there been a shift in car ownership in
2: Australia? Scott, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, That's a really good question because I have owned cars for 12 months all the way up to much longer than that. And I know people in my family have very different approaches to it. A lot of people, if they're leasing, turn their cars over every three or four years because that's a pretty standard lease period. But if you like your car and given everything is getting more expensive, as long as you're still comfortable that it's not going to cost you too much maintenance wise or it's not missing safety features, there's no reason why you can't keep it longer. With Kia now offering a seven-year warranty, Mitsubishi up to 10 if you service in their network, it's easier and I suppose more reassuring than ever to hang on to your car for longer. Fair enough. Well, Twin Roaders, I hope that answers your question.
0: Uh, All right, last thing for today, guys. What are your top picks, things you've seen this week? Jade, we'll start with you. What do you got?
1: Okay, so before I mentioned the Hyundai Ionic 5N, got it right that time. Um, It was at Time Attack in Sydney a couple of days ago um, and it was drifting around everywhere with the Drift King in inverted commas. One thing that I did find, it was on a YouTube video I was watching um, was the... Uh, engine sounds, again, in inverted commas, it's an <laughs> yeah, electric, electric car. they electric engine sounds. Yes, yeah. um, it was actually really cool. There was a supersonic sound. Um, if you haven't heard it, uh, definitely recommend go checking it out. It's, Does that sound
0: like a F-18 flying past? It's or? so
1: weird, like it's very futuristic. I listened to it first and I was like, nope, not okay. a vibe. And then I kept listening to it and I was like, this is more than likely gonna be the future of what these cars are gonna sound like. So yeah, I'd love to know what people think of the supersonic Uh, sound from the Hyundai Ionic 5N. Got
2: it. Catchy. Scott, what's your pick for the week? Uh, I've gone in-house for this one. Uh, On Car Expert, we have a section called Owner Reviews where you can fill out a form and write about your own car. Obviously, it's really interesting with newer cars, so people buying that same car can know what the experience is like. But occasionally, we get these really awesome owner reviews about classics. And a regular commenter and reader has written a review of their Citroën DS. Oh, okay. And it is beautifully written for one it's a really really good piece of writing put some put some of the guys over there in the shade if they're listening they're not Damn, Um, but uh, but it also uh, was a really interesting insight into what it's like to own a very pretty, very technically complex French car from before
1: 2000. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna have to read that.
2: Yes, very very complicated (laughs) uh, love story that one.
0: Uh, I'd like to throw one out. Uh, Also on World Time Attack, uh, World Time Attack Challenge in Sydney was the RP 968 Porsche. Now, if you haven't seen a World Time Attack car, uh, we'll put it up on screen. But Google it. it, they are phenomenal looking things, massive. They're all about speed and downforce. Yeah. No the, rules, basically. Basically, no It's rules. just make a car as fast as possible. Pretty much. So, the previous record around the full City Motorsport Park circuit for world time attack was a 1 minute 19.27. Uh, to put it in perspective, a V8 supercar goes around in about a 129 and a half second. <laughs> That's up. so Whoa. much. Faster. That's a steep difference. The RP968 Porsche set a new record. One minute, 17.860. That's a second and a half quicker than the old record. That is a phenomenal time around that circuit. I really, really encourage you to go and watch the onboard on YouTube because it is an absolutely wild. It's wild. wild. It's like the footage is on fast forward every time (laughs) he puts his foot down. It's crazy. Yeah, (laughs) It's very, very cool. So definitely check that out. Uh, Guys, any final thoughts you want to leave us with this week?
1: No, I think what's coming out of Munich is everything is electric. Well, most things are electric and that's kind of the future. So if people uh, want to not have that, they might have to think again. So that's going to be my takeaway this week.
2: My takeaway is Jade made a good point. Jade made a good point. so it uh, hey,
1: doesn't happen often. I think that's a good <laughs> time to wrap
2: it up.
0: Um, <laughs> if you're not subscribed already, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about the future of uh, engines a little bit. So make sure you tune in for that one. And also, as a fun thing, uh, Jade is going to be learning to drive manual. And that's going to be on next week's episode of the podcast. So You don't
1: want to miss that. You don't want to miss you. that. So
0: make sure you subscribe <laughs> for that one. Uh, And uh, thank you for joining us this week, guys. Thank you for joining me, and we'll see you all next week.